Welcome to Communion House Podcast with Pastor Moses Anderson, a ministry raised by God for the rebirth of the early church, with a strong commitment to seeing others rise and shine as in those days. Get ready for this timely teaching and encouraging word. Um, that we are an army, we are soldiers, and we are at war. You see, a lot of the excitement that we get to feel in God's presence is, um, is the joy of battle. You see, when soldiers come together before they go to war, they don't just give each other some pep talks here and there and everybody drags their feet and their swords. They get excited because if you don't have excitement that is true joy, you don't have strength. But the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. So when we come together like this in God's presence, we're fired up. Not just so that, you know, we're saying, oh, we're, we're just joyful people. No, it's because we know that joy is fuel for the tanks that we are. For the weapons of mass destruction that we are, joy is the fuel. Because some people say, well, I don't have to worry myself too much about any warfare. Because the Bible says that the battle is the Lord's. How many people have heard that before, that the battle is the Lord's? Yeah, because it's written in Scripture. And that is the reason why the excessive um, promoters of grace or the promoters of excessive grace mentality, which is the like, man, you don't have to do nothing. Jesus did it all for you. And the Bible says where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. So if you want to increase in grace, just sin more. You know, that is the doctrine of devils. That is how people have been promoting an increase in grace. But they forget that the Bible says that grace has a companion that is called truth. It's called grace and truth. And so you cannot continue in sin and express grace to abound because if we continue in sin, not acknowledging the righteousness of God, the Bible says that we lie and the truth is not in us. And when the truth is missing, then the grace is absent. And so a lot of what people are gallivanting all all over the place about is not grace, it is licentiousness. It is just license or liberty for nonsense. You see what I mean? The Bible says, having been saved by grace, Why should we then make ourselves subject to sin once again to live by the desires of the flesh? You see what I mean? So when you put all of those things out of the room and we come back to the truth of the word of God, grace and truth, they work together in unison. In fact, the currency of the kingdom is denominated in grace and truth. On one side of the coin is grace, on the other side is truth. And so we need to live our lives knowing the truth of the word of God and the truth of the word of God says that the joy of the Lord is our strength and why do we need that strength we're not like those people who say that we're not at war because God is Jehovah the man of war he fights the battle we stay at home to receive the victory my question is show me in scripture where the Bible says that when God is fighting we stay at home Contrary to all of that, the Bible says that we are God's weapons of war. The Bible says that we are his battle axe. He's the one fighting the battle. But guess who he's using to fight the battle? You and I. And that is the reason why we need that lubricant of joy. We need that joy to fire us up. So when we come together like this, don't be like those people who pay lots of money to watch a comedy show and they stay there and they don't laugh. Because they don't want to seem cheap, like, yeah, that's, that's kind of like, not funny. I'm like, no, it's your money. When I go to a comedy show, you can ask my wife, we were on a cruise a while ago. 
when they were exchanging microphones from one comedian to, to the other, I was laughing. I was like, that is part of my money. That must be funny somehow. Even if I don't get it, I'll get it later. Because I'm not getting my money back. You see what I mean? You watch comedy shows, especially girls that get taken out on comedy on a date, and they're sitting there and they're just looking around like, that's a daddy joke. Someone paid for it. You might as well just laugh. You see? That's the way I see being in God's presence. The Bible says in the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. So when you come here, you might as well get the joy. It was provided for your sake. It was delivered with your name on it. Don't leave it behind and then struggle the rest of your days in the world. You need that joy. So I want to encourage you, tap into that joy. You see, a lot of the things that we share here at, share or share here at Communion House will only make sense to you if you recognize the reason why we're sharing it. The reason why we do all the things that we do, we come together on Tuesdays and other days of the week and have meals together. We come together on Sundays like this and have worship together. It takes us sometimes 30 minutes to actually get service started simply because we don't get enough of hugs and handshakes and fellowship. And you can ask for someone's name and then ask it again and tell them how your day is going. And if you're still not at level 30, go and tell them again. You know, you see, because we believe very much. In the fact that we are an army and that we are weapons in the hands of the Lord and weapons need to be sharpened. And how do we get weapons sharpened? Iron sharpens iron. And so when we're rubbing mice together and having fellowship, when we're chasing each other up during the week and hanging out, it's not because we don't have anything else to do. But it's because we understand that there is value in doing life together. We are an army and we are at war. And when you are at war, you need to keep your eyes open. You need to be vigilant. You need to be sober. You can't go to the battlefield drunk. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you know any soldiers who go to battle and they're completely as high as a kite. You see what I mean? No, no. I mean, look. When they're in recovery, there are certain times that some medications are given to them to help them overcome the pain of injury. And that is the Bible, that's the reason why the Bible says strong drink is for him that is perishing. You see what I mean? But the one that is going out to battle needs to have that sober-mindedness, needs to have that vigilance. I always encourage people, I like to encourage people, as I would encourage you today. If you want to get an idea of the way God sees you, go to the Old Testament, 2 Samuel and the book of Kings, and study the attributes or the description of the army of David. The Bible says that there were soldiers in the army of David that with their left hand they can shoot an arrow with the precision of the thickness of a woman's hair. You see what I mean? And so you pull a woman's hair which is thinner than the man's hair usually and we all know that it's because of all the products but I didn't say that just I'm just saying <laughs> You, and these guys can shoot at such precision and they will not miss. In fact, the Bible describes them in such a way that on one occasion, one of them, because David said he was thirsty. He was like, sir, you want some water to drink? And David was like, I don't want just any water. I want water from a particular well. And that well was behind enemy lines. And the Bible says this general stood up and he went and he took on an entire army by himself. Just so that he can draw from the well. And he brought back the water without spilling it. Now that was David's army. So imagine what God's army 
will be like. And you are the ones that have been recruited into that army. But remember the way those guys started. Because quite often we talk about the soldiers and the generals of David as though they were supermen. We describe them as though they are from a Marvel sci-fi movie. You know, we talk about them as these guys are superheroes. They can do all of these things. Even with their left hand, they have such precision. And that is supposed to be their weaker hand because their right hand is already doing more than we want to even describe. And we talk about all of those things, but nobody talks about how they started. When they were recruited, they were men who were so ashamed of their lives that they lived in the cave. <laughs> These were the same men when David found them in the cave of Adullam. Guess what? The Bible says that a lot of them were in debt. Their hands were so useless, they could not even make any profit to pay their debt. And so in order for their children not to be taken into slavery, they pretend to be out of town working, but in reality, they were in a cave, hoping for something to happen. The Bible says several of them were discontent with their own lives. Life did not have any meaning to them. They were debtors, they were discontented men, and they were men who had been discomforted. That means their hands cannot even provide comfort. They cannot even buy a bed to sleep on. That was how broken, how broken these men were. There was not a single one of them who had anything going for him. These were the same men that were described later on as mighty men of valor, men of renown. Do you know that a lot of the sci-fi that you watch, a lot of the superheroes that you watch, their, their, their attributes are based on people like Joab, the sons of Zeruiah, those of the army of David. Isn't that the story of you and I? When God recruited us out of the world, we were broken and busted. And if you didn't think you were broken and busted, because someone was like, when, when, when I got saved, I was a bank manager. I was able to pay my bills. You know, so it was kind of like a little bit of a change. I wasn't swearing as much as I was. So I was fairly okay. Now that is a man who has heard about salvation. Not a man who was saved. A man who was saved will always recognize that no matter how well he was doing in the world, when he is saved, those things should become like dung. They should become like rubbish to him. Because where you are at now is such a departure from where you were. And if you don't see it, it's because you don't yet have it. You understand what I mean? Because I've met many people, when you ask them about their salvation, they make it sound like it was nothing. And that's because they're not saved yet. And so if that is you, if you think your life now is not too different from what it was, I would love to pray for you after the meeting and show you what it truly means to be born again. Because no matter how well you think you're doing, look at someone like Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul was a doctor. He had a PhD at law. He was well-renowned. His salary must have been a great salary because he was working for the highest authority. He was so wealthy that he purchased for himself Roman citizenship. And you know that the United States of America is built on a Roman ideology of governance that is called democracy. And I've shared that with us, that we are an extension of the Roman government that merged with the barbarian government. And that is what is ruling in the world today according to the prophecy of Daniel. And so that is why, in case you have not followed some of the teachings, everywhere you go to in the United States of America, our government buildings are essentially Roman temples. When you go to the Capitol building, the word Capitol building is essentially another word for temple. And the designs and all of those things are essentially Roman architecture. 
And you go to England, the same. You go to France, the same. You go to the Vatican, the same. You go to India, the same. Even when you go to Nigeria, the, the Senate in Nigeria, they meet in a building that is a replica of the Capitol building, which is yet another Roman temple. Right? And so that is what we are. We are an extension of that Roman government. Only what happens is outside the structure is Roman, but inside the practice is barbarian. But it's okay. It's all part of the plan of God because of what he wants to reveal upon the earth. But when you look at any serious government or nation that is an extension of the Romans, to buy their citizenship is never cheap. It's a million dollars in the United States of America. I think it's $500,000 in Canada. You know, because they, they, they measure how much you pay for citizenship on the basis of the opportunities that are available to you. It doesn't matter where you are born. You may be born in the backside of the desert. If you have a million dollars, you get U.S. citizenship. It is that straightforward. Unless you have a long list of criminal records from where you're coming. Which means you may have to pay more. But that doesn't mean you're completely not welcome. Alright? But I say that, I mean, I believe you all know that, right? Oh, you didn't know that? No, no, it is the law. In the United States of America, if you can come from any country with a million dollars, you will get a green card. In some cases, if you come with $500,000 and you can partner with somebody else who is American, as long as you're showing that you will benefit them, you also get a green card. And then if you're not as wealthy, but you can make up or you can come up with $250,000 and you do your research and you find a distressed business in certain states that will still give you a green card. But I say all of that to say that even if it's $250,000, in some countries that is more than the salary of an entire city. There are countries wherein, in fact I was reading about a country recently, their president, one of their ex-presidents, right? Just, you know, the way that people like Barack Obama and, uh, and George Bush and every one of the ex-presidents gets about maybe $400,000 or so in their basic salary after they've left office. This particular president is the, was an ex-president of a country and he was president for four years. And do you know how much his stipend is when you convert it into U.S. dollars? $42. $42, not a day, not an hour, a month. Oh yes, and I say that to let you know that sometimes we don't even know how privileged we are to live in this country. You go to some places, by the time you convert their money, some people have never really earned in one month all their lives enough money in their currency to purchase one US dollar. Because some people make barely a dollar a day. But Apostle Paul was in the same position as we are, wherein to be a Roman citizen you need to have a lot of money. So he must have had the equivalent of a minimum of 250000 Now let me tell you something. When Paul bought his citizenship, the Roman government was doing so well, their economy was doing so well, that they probably didn't have as many distressed businesses lying around. So at the minimum, that dude paid anywhere from 500000 to a million dollars. That was a man who was doing well. But do you know what he said after he gave his life to Christ? He said all of the things that I attained up until the time that I met the Lord on the way to Damascus. He says, now I count them as losses. And so if your salvation experience is not that precious to you, then there's no way you're going to fight with everything that you have to keep it going. 
If you don't recognize what the Lord has done for you by allowing you to be translated from the kingdom of this world into the kingdom of his dear son, you will trivialize the old salvation experience. I tell people, the reason why I'm not tired having hosting meetings multiple times a week, because you all know that we meet there on Tuesdays, we meet there on Sundays, sometimes we meet there here on Saturdays, and in between during the week, we have meetings with families. We have meetings of two or three, four, five, sometimes up to ten people during the week. The reason why I am never tired is because I have seen the dividend of being an Obed-Edom in my generation. Obed-Edom was the name of a guy in the Old Testament who decided, who chose to have the presence of God brought to his house because there was nowhere else to keep the Ark of the Covenant. And, and his name means the one who serves other people. And I believe that that is the generation, that is the generation of believers that God is raising today. People who aren't always looking to be served, but people who are always looking to serve other people. And the reason why I do that, the reason why we're excited, my wife and I, is because by serving other people, we receive the immunity to deception. Look at us at communion house. All that time that everybody was shut down, we were not shut down, we kept meeting. And that is the reason why today, when we hear things in the news, we know that which is true, which is almost nothing coming out of the news. We are not deceived. When people are panicking and afraid and confused, we are not confused. When people are like, oh, I don't know when to wear the mask because they told me that once I take the job, I don't have to wear the mask. But now I've taken the job and they're still saying I have to wear the mask. And when people are in abject confusion, we are not simply because the Lord gave us immunity to the deception that has come into the world. Ladies and gentlemen, in case you, I mean, you know, but for your friends who don't know and for that person who stumbled on this feed seemingly by accident, but truly by divine orchestration, I want to say this to you. We are in that dispensation of the great deception wherein the enemy is deceiving the world. On some days, my heart is too broken for this world to pray. But just like Brother Lawrence reminded us, don't be too broken hearted not to pray. When my heart is broken hearted, what do I do? I pray. Let me tell you something. If you have never been a praying believer, this is the time to be a praying believer. Because there is so much destruction going on. I know the world is going to be destroyed ultimately. I mean, God said it. And God, when God says it, it's true. It's not, it's, not a, it's not a redeemable process. But we are redeemable. You see what I mean? Heaven, heaven and earth, as beautiful as heaven is, the Bible says one day it will pass away. So how much more the earth? It will all pass away. But what is the joy that we have? The joy that we have is that we have a hope for a saving. And that hope that we have for a saving is communicable, is also transferable. You can share that with somebody else. And that is the reason why we follow the principles of 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1 that says now at this point prayers of all kinds should be said for all men. The emphasis is prayers of all kinds. It is, I think there are only about three or four places in the Bible that in one verse, the Bible will talk about the different kinds of prayers there are. I believe in Philippians chapter 4 verse 6, the Bible says, be careful for nothing, which means don't be anxious over anything, but in all things, by prayers and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. First Timothy chapter 3 verse 1 is the other one. He says, not only should you do supplications, he says, say prayers. And add to your prayers intercession and round it off with thanksgiving. Four different kinds of prayers for all men. At which time? He says at the time of the great deception. And so as a believer today, you should never be bored. If you pray, 
a prayer of supplication for one hour. Right? And you get up, stretch your legs. Then you go back then and pray some more. And then when you're done with that, after another 30 minutes, you go back and then you do intercession. And once you're done interceding after four hours, then what do you do? You say the prayer of thanksgiving. And someone is like, Brother Moses, some of us have a life to live. We don't know what you're talking about. In reality, that is your life. That, is, that should be your life. Jesus says, my meat is to do my Father's will. He says, pray without season. He said in, his, in Luke chapter 18 verse 1, men ought always to pray and not to faint. And so whenever you listen to things in the news, and now let me say this. It's a good segue because I nearly forgot. You know, I told us a couple of weeks ago that the news is about to start to deny us of the true facts of our world. At a higher level. I said, oh yeah, they've been deceiving us for a long time, but now they're taking up a notch. They've kicked it up a notch. Remember that the Antichrist, when the system of the beast comes into full operations, the Bible says in the book of Revelations, that when deception is already in place, the beast will create another image of itself and give it a voice. And by that show, many more will be deceived, even the elect. So John described what Jesus was talking about in details. Jesus says many shall be deceived, even the elect. And John said this is what actually gets the elect. The fact that a beast is put up, an image of the beast and given a voice. Right? And at that particular point in time, even the people that were still hanging on and suspecting the system, they fall for it. Those are the times that we have come to. And so a couple of weeks ago, I said to us, I said, the signs that you and I as believers should be looking out for will not be reported in the news. And when they have to mention it, they will only mention it in passing and bring some professor from MIT to tell you what is not. How many people saw the, the moon that we had yesterday? It was beautiful. I know. It was like amber in color. Right? It wasn't as red as some of the moons that we had seen. But then it goes from orange to amber and it was changing. And if you understand Morse code, you will appreciate what was going on with the moon two nights ago. I didn't come back home. I went driving. I was, I was following that moon. Because that's what Jesus had to do. He said, be sober, be vigilant. Because when they asked him, they said, Master, when will all these things happen? He says, you will know. He says, because the signs are going to be in the heavens. On the fourth day, the Bible says that God inserted into the firmament of the heavens, the sun, the moon, and the stars. And he says, they are there to rule the sun, the light by day, the moon to govern by night, and the stars for signs and for seasons. So the sun and the moon are not supposed to just direct the light. Right? And I'm picking my words carefully because the world's been telling us that they give us light. No, they don't give us light. Because there was light before the sun was made. And so let's go with what God himself said. He says, let it rule by day. So what the sun is doing, the sun is a commander of light. Right? Because God created that light. Let me tell you, let me tell you this because some people don't know and you need to know. The Bible says that in hell... The fires of hell will burn in the lake of punishment. However, the light will not be seen. The Bible says the fire of hell will burn. Imagine having a lake. A lake that is perhaps bigger than Linnea. Right? 
a lake that is made of fire. And yet, if someone was standing in front of you in that lake, you will not see them. And somebody still tells me that the candle is what gives me light. Fire does not give light. It only commands light if light is present. If light is not present, flame cannot give you light. And that is the reason why when God said at the beginning, let there be light, and there was light, he continued doing his work for a couple of days, and afterwards was like, oh, actually, uh, I'm going to assign some elements to actually control this light and focus it on different areas. Now, let me explain this to you. When God made everything, the entire world, the whole earth, was under the fullness of the light of God. So in the morning, the light will rise. And then in the evening, the light will rise even higher. And someone is like, wait a minute, you have to explain that. So when I say the light rises, the light comes above the surface of the earth. And when the evening comes, the light will rise even higher. And go away from the surface of the earth so that the earth is not under the intensity of that light. And God was like, this is how it's going to run day and night, morning and evening. So when I'm stepping out, I need another device that can direct that light, but take it from place to place. And that's how the time zone was created. That's why it can be 5 p.m. here while it's 10 p.m. somewhere else. But at the beginning, those first couple of days, everything was lit up the same. And I'm going to tell you why that is important. The reason why that is important is if we don't understand that light is an attribute of God, we will miss a lot of the signs that God is putting out. Because the signs that God is putting out for now are signs that we see from place to place. But the final sign is going to be by the presence of God himself, not by the circulation or not by the motion of the planetary bodies or the luminaries. It's going to be by the presence of God. And that is the reason why the Bible says when Jesus appears, everybody will see him. How? At the same time. So for now, you and I are still seeing the signs that are happening in phases and are happening time zone by time zone. Now, let me, let me tell you why that is important. The reason why that is important is because you don't expect somebody else to prepare for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you see the sign, that is your time to begin to prepare. By the time somebody else is telling you of the signs that they are seeing, it might be too late for you. Let me see if I can explain that again. My wife warned me about this thing that I'm saying. She said to me, I'm excited at your excitement. She says, but I hope people get what you're saying. Don't worry, I'll say it anyway. And maybe by the time you think about it a little bit more, you'll get it. You see, there are signs in the world today that you cannot afford for somebody else to tell you that they are seeing. You have to see it yourself because it is specific to where you're at. I've, I went online after I saw the moon change colors before my eyes. I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Someone must have taken a better picture than my picture because we're surrounded by trees here, in case you haven't noticed. 
So we don't get a glimpse of it as much. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to wait for people to post it. I went online, Facebook, nobody. Instagram, nobody. And I'm like, what's going on here? Am I the only one seeing this thing? So I kept it to myself. I went to sleep. But before I went to sleep, when I see signs like that, I always ask the Lord, so what exactly am I looking at? And he says to me, keep looking. And I saw it go from orange to amber. And as soon as it turns into amber, I'm like, okay, now I get it. Because before the light becomes red, you see amber first, right? Even for traffic signs, you see that because amber and orange are essentially red with less intensity. If you're a fine artist in the room, you would know. If you can increase the intensity of orange, it becomes red. If you dilute the intensity of red, it becomes orange. And so he said to me, he said, that is a warning to let you know that this thing is about to become red. The following day, the moon came out again. This time around, I was no longer alone. Alan called me just before midnight. He says, Pastor, can you see the moon? I said, the one from yesterday or the one from today? Because they were very different to me. And he said, the one from today. He says, I'm looking at it right now. I said, yes. I said, I'm about to get in my car to go look again. And when he described what he had seen, I was like, oh, now I really need to go and see. He saw the face of the moon change. Now, you can't doubt what I am saying because you weren't even looking. <laughs> so this time around, you have to take my word for it. I'm sorry. But the whole object of what I am saying, the object of this subject, is that we need to awake and become more vigilant than before. Because the news will not deliver these things to us. It wasn't in the news. I googled it. I searched for it. And no one is talking about it. Why will Satan allow for you to notice the things that will remind you that you are an army when all his plan is to sneak up on you? Satan wants to sneak, sneak up on you. And Satan doesn't want you to know the signs that have been put out at night. Because remember that he is the serpent. And serpents see very clearly in the dark. So if you don't know how to use the little light that you have in the dark, Satan will outrun you in the dark. Is he making sense what I am saying? Yeah. The children of this world, they're the children of Satan. When darkness falls upon the earth, that is when they thrive. It is no surprise that the world produced the most number of millionaires and billionaires in 2020 when it was darkest on the earth. And that is the same year that you had most believers become impoverished. The most that we have seen the apostasy, which is a departure from the faith, was in the year 2020. Because that was when many people stopped believing and obeying the word of God. The word of God says, do not forsake the assembling together of yourselves, especially as you see the day approaching. In the year 2020, men gave in to fear rather than to live by faith. And what happened? They were overrun by the children of this world. Someone says, what has money got to do with anything? The kingdom of this world runs on money, just like the kingdom of God runs on faith. So when you see the children of the world making more money, then it's telling you that you need to have more faith. Because the kingdom of this world is mammon. The kingdom of God is righteousness. And I say this because of the fact that, can we read a verse of scripture together and I'll see, maybe I can start to wrap, wrap this thing up. Revelation chapter 20 verse 2. Revelation chapter 20 verse 2. I was having a conversation with the Holy Spirit about 
Uh, in fact, let me, let me tell you the way this conversation went. The Holy Spirit said to me, it says, do you know that there are still so many people who don't know that Satan was the serpent in the garden? Because people are like, no, 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 no. The Bible says that when God cursed the serpent, the serpent was crawling on its belly. So the serpent cannot fly. We see snakes all the time and they don't fly. If you see a flying snake, wake up. It's a bad dream. And some people are like, that can't be the devil. You see, because the devil, when he was talking to Jesus, he didn't seem to be slithering and crawling upon a tree. Why? Because he was at the top of the temple and the temple has no tree on it. So he must have been standing or levitating or flying in some capacity to have been able to take Jesus to the pinnacle of the temple and from there to the top of the mountain. So people said the serpent is different. And also the fact that the Bible says that of all the animals, of all of God's creation in the garden, the serpent was the most cunning. And people are like, Satan was not put in the garden. So it can't be Satan. It is. And let me show you. For those people that want to argue with you, you just show them Revelation chapter 20, verse 2. Verse 1 says, And then I saw an angel coming down from heaven. And I pray for you that in this season, you will see angels. In this season, you shall see angels. One of the things that I want to share with us today that I was going to share if we have time, and is this. In Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, which was the same prophecy that Jesus was quoting in Matthew chapter 12, verse 32 or 20, 12, 20, I think it is. Jesus was quoting the prophecy of Isaiah when Isaiah was talking about what will happen to the believers in the last days. And the devil, I mean, and the prophecy was talking about the fact that some people who have the true riches, they would have to give it up for your sake. Now, the significance of that is this. When riches, and I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about opportunities and privileges to make a difference. When such opportunities have been presented in scripture, almost every single time there is the deliverance or the handing off of such opportunities, angels are present to close the deal. Every single time, angels are present. You, you name it, whoever it is. Angels were present. When Abraham was to receive the final blessing of the seed, three angels appeared to him. You see what I mean? When Jacob was going to tap into the blessing, he actually saw a ladder going from the ground to the heavens and angels were ascending and descending on it. When he was about to receive a breakthrough in business, you know that he was working for Laban and he was earning wages. Eventually, after his wages were changed 10 times, which was not a bad thing, because many of us think that when your wages change, it's a bad thing. No, Laban wasn't just being sh um, shady. What was going on was Jacob was proving his worth to the point where they had to keep promoting him and increasing his salary. But guess what? He got to a point where he knew he had to outgrow his salary. And so he went to Laban and struck a deal. He says, I don't want to be a, a, an employee anymore. I want to be a partner in this business. And many of us need to do that. Many of you need to know by revelation that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything belongs to God. That company belongs to God. Your employer is just a custodian. And you're like, but my employer is not saved. Yeah, but he knows the principles of God and he's using them. 
He's applying wisdom. He's making friends. He goes to all kinds of networking events. You see what I mean? He, he enjoys fellowship that brings him what? Business. That brings him opportunity. He is using the principle of God from morning till night. And you, the one who is named by the name of God, you open your mouth and wait for things to just happen. So some of us need to step up and make a move and say, you know what? But please, don't ask to become partner if your wages have not been changed ten times. You see what I mean? If you have not proven yourself, you start from somewhere. You, when they employed you seven years ago, what you were earning is what you're still earning. In fact, in some cases, because you can't prove yourself, you lose some of your benefits. Be one of those people that you become so indispensable that they want to do everything to keep you. You understand what I mean? Do everything so that even when they can't keep you and they have to let you go, they bless you. I remember the last job that I resigned from. When I resigned from the job, in fact, the owner of the company says, he said, this is the offer that we can make you. He said, but I know that that offer to you is nothing. He said, but still think about it. He made me that offer and I said, just like you said, it is nothing. I'm leaving. And when I said I was leaving, I was expecting just a handshake. Thank you. Well done for coming. But you know what he said to me? He said to me, he said, the intellectual property that we bought from you has already created more intellectual property for us. We have two patents pending. So we have decided that we're going to give you back your intellectual property that we paid for and that we're going to pay you. And that was me on my way out. That doesn't make sense, does it? Because it's like, what are they getting from paying me and turning back to me my intellectual property that they already paid for in full? You see what I mean? But that is because the Lord was with me. And that was because at my transition, I encountered the angels of the Lord and I did not miss my visitation. And so when Laban was approached by Jacob, Jacob was like, I've, I've enjoyed working for you. You've got your days, I've got mine. He said, but now I want it to be a partnership. He says, so take away the salary. Now I just want to work to get a share of the profit. And he knows that Laban was a shrewd man. Laban was not going to let him offer a deal that seemed to be better for Jacob. So guess what happened? Jacob offered him a deal that would bless Laban more than Jacob. Okay? This is business 101. In business, for you to be profitable in business, you need to be valuable to anyone that you're doing business with. If you can be of more value to your clients, to your partners, to your employers, the person that is most blessed is the one that is most valuable. The person that is most rewarded is the one that is most what? Valuable. Jesus said it. He says the greatest amongst you is the one that is the most servant. You see what I mean? And so what, David, what Jacob did was, Jacob said to him, he says, from my observation, we mostly produce sheep that is one color. It is either they are brown, they are black, or they are white. He said, we only have a small fraction that are speckled, that have spots on them. He said, so let's do this deal. Let me take only the speckled ones. You take all the pure ones. And Laban was like, well, this is not a brainer. I mean, this is a no-brainer. You know what Laban must have been thinking to himself? He was like, oh my goodness. And I gave my daughters to this idiot to marry. He's so dumb. You see what I mean? But that is the wisdom of God. That is what it looks like sometimes. It looks like you're playing the fool. 
I remember one day when I was doing my master's, a friend of mine approached me. He, he had been observing my generosity. And at that time, I didn't even have a job. I was literally living by faith. And he came to me and he was like, he says, do you know that people are taking advantage of you? I said, how? He said, that guy that came to you to ask for money, he has money because when he left, he went to buy teacher's whiskey. He's been drinking under that tree. I said, I know. I said, a lot of the people who come, they know that I am generous and they take advantage of it. He said, but why do you keep giving? I said, because when I keep giving, I keep getting. Because the Bible says it is more blessed to give than to receive. The wisdom of God is foolishness to those who are without. And so Jacob went to him and he says, you know what? I'm only going to take the speckled ones. Laban did the math and he was like, it's a deal. Where do I sign? He signed the deal. But what Laban did not know, let me tell you something. If somebody wants you to sign a deal, ask them the things that they have been seeing. Don't ask them, oh, what have you been saying lately? Because then they know that you know the secret. Just keep having conversations with them. Get to know them. Say, you know what? Before we sign this deal, let's have dinner together. And start talking to them. Because if you don't know what someone has seen and you sign a deal with them, they will get the better end of the deal than you, no matter how well you think you're doing. And it happens in business all the time. We keep signing our lives away because they offer us this juicy deal. Oh, 0% interest. There's no fool in business that is profitable. If they say 0% interest, you're the one paying the point something or whatever it is that is not on paper. But what Laban did not do was ask what Jacob had seen. And I know the message is getting long now, but I hope you can embrace these principles and apply them. Do you know what happened before Jacob took the deal to Laban? The Bible says the angel of the Lord appeared to Jacob and said, look, I know the situation here. Your animals are mostly plain colored animals, right? He said, but I can show you how to change them to speckled animals. He said, go and get branches of the almond tree and make strips in them. You know, the almond tree is brown, but when you strip it, it becomes brown. When you strip it, it becomes even darker brown. So all the shades of the sheep are present in the almond tree. And when it is dark and when it is dry, it's very dark. So all the shades of the animals are in the almond tree. So he said, take a branch of it and peel strips in it and put it at the brooks of water where they drink, at the watering hole. He said, every time they're drinking and looking at that, it reprograms them to give birth to seed that is speckled. Let me tell you something. Even some of the people who are using supercomputers today to synthesize DNA, they don't know what I just told you. I follow quite a bit of research. I'm current, in fact, last week, I spent hours last week following some research on synth synthesizing DNA. And when I was looking at some of the results that they're coming out with, even the government-sponsored ones, they are laughable at best because they still don't come close to what I just told you. Because they still don't know the connection between the sperm of a man and the things that he sees. They still can't prove it. It's all guesswork. But this man said, you see, when they look at those strip things, the, 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 the different color on the almond would instruct them to produce what they're looking at. It's very simple. When you, when you look at the things that God is doing or what God has done in his word, you begin to produce more of the kind of things that God does. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 says, if you keep looking into the word of God and you keep professing what is in there, you keep meditating on it, you will produce the same kind of thing that the word of God produces. So there are miracles in the Bible. When I start the scriptures and meditate on the miracles, guess what? I start to produce miracles in my life because I produce what I see. What I become is what? A function of what I behold. 
right? Laban did not know that because if he knew that, he should have asked Jacob. Say, dude, let's go, let's have dinner. And question him and interview him to see what things he's been seeing. But the man saw an angel of the Lord show him the way out. And so I want to say to you, ladies and gentlemen, it is critical for you to know that every time there is a major transition in life, you need to be on the lookout to see the angels of God. Otherwise, everybody else will be moving in the power and you're just going to be observing. May that not be your lot in the mighty name of Jesus. The Bible says here, let's keep reading and I hope this time around I don't stop. It says, then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit. And a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon. Right? So who was the one that took Jesus to the pinnacle? The dragon. Because for you to go to the pinnacle, you need wings to fly. Right? So the dragon here is still the same. He says who? He laid hold of the dragon. Who is the serpent of old? Who is also the devil? Who is also Satan? And bound him for a thousand years. Satan is the dragon, he is the serpent, he is the devil, he is Satan. Let me say that again in the right order. Lucifer, who was called the star of the morning, was the one who fell. And that was why Jesus said, I see the dragon, I see Satan fall like lightning. He was the serpent, and they said the serpent of old, specifically so that you can know that he was the serpent at the beginning. And he is also the devil. Jesus says, your adversary, the devil. And he is also Satan, the one that you need to rebuke. You know, the Bible says, and Jesus looked at Peter and says, get thee behind me, O Satan. And so Satan manifests himself in all of these many areas. And that is the reason why some people that you know, they are so bad, they could be the devil himself. And the reason is because, yes, on some occasions, people become the devil. Or the devil takes on people. Right? Yeah, he does. And that is the reason why you can't be too mad at people. The Bible says be angry, but don't sin. Right? Because when you're angry at people sometimes, imagine if Jesus had slapped Peter because of what Peter said. Jesus knew that it wasn't Peter that was talking. He knew that it was Satan that was speaking. I know that I have digressed quite a bit today. But where I'm really going is this. We are an army. We have an enemy. And our enemy is not sleeping and that is the reason why we cannot afford to slumber the miracle or the sign of the moon that we saw yesterday and the day before that was missed by many of us is one of those wake-up calls for us to know that we cannot continue to miss the things that God is showing us in the heavens make it a habit every now and again to come out and just look up because the Bible says that we are supposed to look up we're supposed to look at the signs we're not supposed to just look at the television if i can get you to look only at the television television i control what you produce and the television is constantly telling us that we're not an army the greatest trick that satan ever pulled on the body of christ is to convince us that we're not soldiers because if you're at war and you don't even know you're a soldier you are dead already even before the battle begins because if you don't know you're a soldier you're not going to train for battle if you don't know you're a soldier, when you see other soldiers, you don't, you don't, you don't get fired up. So when you come to the, to the camp meeting and the soldiers are at camp getting ready to go to battle and they're screaming and shouting, you're there like, what's going on with these people? Have they lost their minds? 
No, you are the one who doesn't even have a mind just yet. You see what I mean? And so let us begin to walk with this awareness and with this consciousness because the signs are all over the place reminding us that it is time for us to get ready because a shift is about to happen. I was telling Diane at the beginning of the meeting, I said I was so delighted. It was such a relief when I saw that moon. Especially when the colors changed. It was such a relief because for two days I had had this very eerie feeling that was following me everywhere. And when it happens, I know something is about to happen. I feel like my, the back of my head is open to another world. I, I get the chills coming from another place. And sometimes it's uncomfortable. Sometimes I just want to play with my kids and I play and I just shake. And I've been like, okay, what is this about? But nothing was said to me until I saw the moon. Because God will not, he doesn't have to keep repeating himself all the time. Some things he says to you, some things he shows to you. Some things he brings to you, and some things he brings you to. And so that is the reason why you cannot expect to get the fullness of your preparation by just reading scriptures, or by just listening to messages, or by just showing up in meetings. You also need to have a time of interceding for other people, because that is one of the ways by which we see angels. You know, I've been pleading with us to intercede, simply because when you look at those who interceded in the Bible, you will not find a single person that interceded in the Bible for another who did not receive an angelic visitation. You show me a person like that, and I will show you a false scripture. Every true scripture that we know, when people interceded for other people, they saw angels. Remember what happened to Joseph. I was sharing this with Ryan the other day. Joseph, the Bible says he could not sleep because he was thinking of how to protect Mary from shame. The guy was not the one who was about to be put to shame. He was a man for crying out loud in Jewish culture. There was no shame coming to him. Mary was to be put to shame because she got pregnant before getting married. And plus, the man that she's about to get married to says, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. You see what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't him because he hadn't done anything. And he's like, man, dude, I, hadn't, I haven't touched her. But the Bible says he went on to stay up all night. That is intercession. He stayed up all night so that another person is not put to shame. And guess what happens? The Bible says that while he was staying up all night interceding, he fell asleep. And the angel of the Lord, the angel Gabriel, of angels in heaven, when it comes to the ones that have the authority to deliver the mind of God, Gabriel is at the top. He was the one who came to announce that the Holy Spirit was going to come over Mary. He was the one who came to tell Daniel that, look, your blessing is coming. But the Prince of Persia has been messing up. He's trying to mess us up. But we've received intervention because Michael, the archangel of the Lord, the defender, has not been sent. So when you see things in the Bible that are delivered by Gabriel, you know that they're very serious and important things. How did Joseph see Gabriel? By interceding for other people. Some of the angelic visitations that I have received, I have received in the place of interceding for others. Because the Bible says that God is looking for partners. People who are thinking about what he's thinking about. And God is thinking about delivering and saving the world. And so when you think that alongside with him, it's like, wow, this guy's ready. Let's talk. Because he gets me. And so I say all of that to say, in closing... That where we have come to right now is a place where we cannot afford to go a moment without reminding ourselves that we are at war. We are soldiers. We need to put on the whole armor of God. We need to intercede for others. We need to be merciful. And more importantly, we need to engage the Holy Spirit.
we need to engage the Holy Spirit. And by the grace of God, one of these days, I'm going to share with us because the time is not on my side anymore right now. From Isaiah chapter 1, chapter 9. Because there are certain things that are going on in the world today. I told you guys before, I said, I want you to study on your own what Jesus meant when he said, Light has come to those who are at the Jordan, in the land of Jordan, past the sea, beyond the regions of Zebulon and Naphtali. You know, but I don't think that many people have studied it. And you know how I knew? No one except for Katie has come to ask me what I think about what I've asked you to go and research. No one's come to give me a report. But let me tell you something, folks. I still maintain, I can share with you what the Lord has shared with me. But you, even you need to go and search the scriptures. Go and find out what God is saying. Right? Let me give you, a, I mean, let me give you some uh, clues here. Zebulon means to be exalted. Naphtali means to wrestle. The sea is a system of this world. And Jordan is the next life. Jordan means the descenders or the ones that descend. You cannot descend unless you first of all ascend. And we are the ones that we ascend to descend to reign for a thousand years. So for one thousand years, Satan is going to be locked up. Right? And when Satan is locked up for a thousand years... We will rule and reign on the earth. We're going to rule over creation. That's why creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Because creation is being oppressed up until now. Creation is being deprived up until now. Romans chapter 8 verse 19 says that creation is groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God. The mountains want to truly be what mountains should be. The ocean wants to be the same. The trees want to glow. But right now they just have those leaves and they're usually dark and not, nothing's really good for them. Whereas by the intention of God, they are supposed to glow. And so creation is waiting for when we come back and Satan is put out. So that the true agenda of God for the Garden of Eden is revealed and experienced for the first time. And someone says, Brother Moses, but why bother me with that? Imagine what would happen, James. When you were in first grade, if somebody, if I can just open your mind and put in sixth grade knowledge into your heart, but you still have to go through second grade. Imagine how easy that second grade is going to be. That girl that keeps saying, I don't like you, is the one that really likes you. You see, because when you're in second grade, you don't know these things. And like, that girl doesn't like me. She's always taking my pencil. She likes you. All that math that you thought was difficult. It becomes now, it's no longer math, it's now arithmetic. Because now you've done algebra and you know these things. You see, that is the reason why I am intent upon continuing to teach us about the next thousand years. Because the moment you know about Jordan, then you are able to pass through the sea, even though you have been wrestled. I just, I just told you the secret. That was what I wanted you to go and find out about Zebulon and, and Naphtali. Because the Bible says the ones who are from Zebulon and Naphtali who will pass through the sea to come to the land of Jordan. Right now, we have been wrestled by Satan. We have been pulled into the sea of this life. The system of this world is the sea. And that is the reason why all of those beasts in Revelation, the ones that tormented the body of Christ, where did they come from? They rose from the sea. And why does the devil want to take him into the sea? Because the devil is also that beast that comes from underneath the sea, that comes from the abyss. He knows the water better than you. And that's why he wants to fight you in the water. That's why the system of this world is around us. The schools that our children go to, the banks that we use 
the hospital systems that we patronize, everything has been designed to be an extension of Babylon because Satan knows the system that he created better than you. Thank you for tuning in and we pray this podcast has blessed you today. For more information about this church, check out www.communion.house. That's www.communion.house. Or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Communion House. Hungry for more life-giving content? Head over to Communion House on YouTube for a full catalogue, live and on demand. We're honoured to have your audience. Wherever you're tuning in from, thank you and God bless you today.